This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Jeff, Odem Bones, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Dylan, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, Nick B, and Chris. And Chris and all the other patrons want you to know that you are loved and you are listened to and you are a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, join the Facebook group and or the Discord server where we talk literally all day. Welcome to the Halloween 3 prequel, The Fog. (laughs) (laughs) Or sequel. I don't know. No, this comes before it. No, but I mean like in this man's life. Yeah, it's in both cases, it's before it. Time is not a flat circle, (laughs) Mikey. So here's what I suppose that this man, he lost all of his family after their Halloween mask killed everyone. (laughs) He gives up being a doctor, drives to the coast, and lives on a boat drinking. And it totally fits. Thank you for tuning into the Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch the 1980 John Carpenter, The The Fog. Fog. The Fog? Yeah, Mikey says it with a question mark. The Fog? Because it is a movie that is named after a weather anomaly, for lack of a better term. It's not an anomaly. Like fog is not like <laughs> it happens. Fog happens. Okay. Not everywhere. And I mean, it probably happens in this city often, or often-ish, right? It's a coastal town. I get that fog happens, Mikey. My issue is that it's named after like something that happens pretty often, I'd imagine, in this town, and not the. Pirates of the Caribbean pirates that literally come and kill people. That is the right. thing that is the the bad thing about the this fog. <laughs> it should be called something like along those lines, not hey, it's rain. <laughs> this would be like if you made a movie about the Nazis bombing the UK in World War II and called it Clouds. Clouds? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so I was just about to make a similar joke that was like if it was snowing and there were Nazis and you called your movie and then I was like, oh, dead snow. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that that is a real one. That's another one. <laughs> a movie that I have, and I will go on the record, refused to do, but I'm going to soften my approach on that. Vote! it in yeah. vote it in and it's like we're just tired of arguing with him so we just want it to be a listener request <laughs> make it happen so okay so was this the first time that you guys had seen this movie before yeah yes. we picked this movie last week Paige and I did because we'd never seen it we'd never seen it and now I understand why this is the only John Carpenter movie I've never seen <laughs> yeah same <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, Carpenter. I was like, I fucking love John Carpenter. Let's do this shit. And then we sat through this movie. <laughs> I will say, I really much enjoyed the soundtrack. See, I didn't. Listening to this on headphones is fucking murder. Yeah, that's because during the theme, which John Carpenter, I think, writes amazing themes. But he in does. this one, there is a high note that he just hammers the whole time during the theme. And it's fine if it's layered in and mixed lower. It's just mixed way too high. I had that same complaint. And, okay, so, because it's not just the score. The sound mix on this is really bad. Yeah. Because they are also mixing all of their Foley to tinny. And so it drove me nuts the whole movie. Yeah, I had some issues with that, too. Yeah, every time, like, a window crashed, I was just like, ah, Like, I'm not scared of that sound, but it's painful. I switched to not on headphones, like, ten minutes into this movie, yeah. I thought about it, but Jake was already asleep. So, Paige, was this the first time you had seen this movie? This is the first time I'd seen this movie, and I think in my mind I had, like, filled in the story 
with The Mist, which is a different movie. It is, yeah. And so that's what I kind of thought it was. And then last week when Mikey and I were talking about it, that's why I asked, is that a ghost movie? And Mikey was like, yeah, it's pirate ghosts. And in my mind, I was like, is The Mist pirate ghosts? No. What? <laughs> and then, so then I was like, yeah, clearly I haven't seen this at all. I have to watch it, I guess. And uh, yeah, it's a strange one. It is definitely out there. I was very surprised watching this movie, but mainly because I was expecting like a thing level movie. Yeah. And it is not that. No. Yeah. Like, so it feels like if John Carpenter had made the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland, this is what it feels like. <laughs> it's, it feels like that. Or, you know, like in the beginning of the movie, they have all those kids listening to the movie around or listening to the, the story around a fire. Yeah. The setup. I mean, you're not wrong. The setup. It feels like somebody should have just grabbed some sand and tossed it on the fire and been like, the Midnight Society says. And then this is just... <laughs> An extra long episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> yes. I love Halloween 3. Don't, and, and, and this is this is such not Halloween 3. And I, know, like, I, I know. And it's like a John Carpenter movie without any special effects. Mikey, did you not see The Fog? <laughs> I have like fuck tons of fun facts for this episode. Really? Yes. Oh, I cannot Look, wait. What I wanted. Tell me what you wanted, baby. Was what Todd said. I wanted ma I wanted Gremlins Main Street scene, but instead of Gremlins, fucking pirates. Yeah. Like Pirates of the Caribbean, but rated R and like just them murdering a whole town, ghost pirates. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. That's that's the movie I want. I, I do have a complaint that it seems like this terror weather event like this pirate nato as it were <laughs> it seems yes. to only affect maybe 10 people in this town no it's <laughs> six like the <laughs> entire town is gathered and it missed me with that bullshit it doesn't go there at all it only <laughs> messes with this handful of people you mean when they gather in the center of town to unveil a statue that we never see and then the two main characters that are at that center of town unveiling have to then get in their car and drive into town to get to the fog and then turn around and go to the church i thought that, that was insane i was like everybody's in town all of those people should be dead i have a lot of questions about radio broadcasting oh i can answer some of those for you yeah uh, did you take college classes Paige? uh i took classes after college oh, okay in, in mine were in broadcast <laughs> yeah, in, in, in broadcasting, yeah. but on old equipment. So, like, sh I, I was familiar with the tape decks and stuff she was using. I mean, like, every two minutes there's a weather update on the radio. I mean, I could just look outside, yeah. especially yeah. if she's down Mikey. the street. Mikey, you've heard the Everclear song AM radio, right? You're pretty much an expert there. That's fine. That's all it was. It was AM radio. You know when people, like, break into songs to yell at their child to run from their house? <laughs> <laughs> Run Timmy into the night Sometimes they even disguise them as songs Have, I don't know if you're familiar with Katrina and the waves But like Oh god that's why the song Walking on Sunshine exists, just to let people know that it's sunny outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's also why Rihanna's umbrella exists. It's like, uh, eh, eh. <laughs> this one lady in a whole AM station just like, I need the weatherman. Bring him in here. Oh, oh but God. that's not how she says it. She says it like. Welcome back to KAB Weather Radio for all the sailors at sea. She's like, Delilah, but only for sailors. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which basically makes her brandy. Just like, brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good radio station this would be. Yeah. It's, she's just calling out to the sea. She's a siren. I honestly think 1980 was the last year someone could make a living that could afford them a house by the sea in AM radio. Well, and the, the fact that she's like, it's a great gig. I just can't get anyone from the city to come take it. Like, like yeah, the problem no was that you didn't get to live near the city. And also that you had to take a million stairs to work every day. I actually have the number for how many stairs it is. No shit, you do. Uh... Yes. <laughs> I will crush fun facts on this episode. Uh, I, let's just start it because I have a really killer joke that I wrote for the first scene. Well, and guys... You know how killer his written jokes are. So let's just wait and just be amazed at how amazing this killer joke is. So Paige, let's get started. Not the campfire scene. The scene after. Great. Uh, I do have to (laughs) warn you that for brevity in my own notes, I referred to the pirates as hookers. So... Uh, Paige, excuse me, they're sea workers. Technically, they are people with a skin condition traveling on a boat. That is true. They had leprosy, Mikey. Leprosy. Oh, that's but right. that's why they're missing limbs. But for some reason, they replaced every limb they lost with a hook. Yeah. Hence hookers. But it made it a lot more interesting <laughs> as I was typing. I was like, the hookers broke all the windows. If their pirate goes, <laughs> if they're missing a few limbs, I'm not going to like question it. I don't think any of us are questioning it, Mikey. No, but I mean, like, they didn't have to say they had leprosy. They could have had another reason that was, like, less. <laughs> yeah, you could have just said, like, they broke out in an aggressive case of hooks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've caught the hooks on both hands. <laughs> I just think that maybe as a, as a kid, John Carpenter heard a ghost story of a man with a hook for a hand and was just like, what if that was everybody, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, one had a pirate sword. You mean Blake? The pirate named Blake? Which I thought was an <laughs> insane name for a pirate from the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, Blake, is this a pirate or a frat? What's going on? <laughs> that is like the Chad of pirates, right? We can all agree on that. Um, he went to Ivy League pirate school. <laughs> he like He like captured a ship for its PBR. He chugged so much grog during Rush Week. Oh, my God. Don't ask whether he had to carry in his butt cheeks. <laughs> it's Ooh. doubloons. I was going to say doubloons, Paige. Get out of my brain, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> I think oh. I'm going to pledge the wench for turning. <laughs> oh, this movie we haven't even started no we have not this movie has a pirate named blake in it i for- i forgot that until you mentioned it the dread like, pirate blake the dread pirate blake the real dread pirate blake has been living like a king and playing beer pong in patagonia <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, oh. Paige. All right, so now that we've gone on many, many riffs, should we get into the movie? Let's get yeah. into this movie. This will be the quickest part of the podcast. <laughs> so it gets foggy, people get stabbed, and that's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's the movie. <laughs> the credits usually, they don't end for 20 minutes. I mean, no, I swear they, to God. They, they do. I timed it. It's 20 minutes of credits. It's, it's insane. insane. It's, 
it's while other things are going on, so it's not. And like, I'll say this: I yeah. am very critical of credits. I don't like these either, but at least they're telling the story while it's going on. So, like, what right. if it's twenty minutes? It's a third of the story. It's a ninety-minute <laughs> movie. Yeah, I know. No, we're yeah, we're I mean, already getting to the end of Act One, and you're like, "Oh, Tom Atkins is this? I've already <laughs> seen him on screen." Yes, I've <laughs> already seen that face multiple times. <laughs> Inexplicably, this movie starts with a title card of an Edgar Allan Poe quote. Yes. Notorious Baltimorean drunk Edgar Allan Poe who died in a ditch who people love for some reason. Emo kid of note (laughs) is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream, which now that I've seen the movie, I'm like, is this just a mass hysteria event and there was no fog or pirates? No, the fog was radioactive the whole time. That's why it glows, Mikey. (laughs) By fog, do they mean gas leak? (laughs) (laughs) This is a MK Ultra event. (laughs) They were testing some sort of gas. That is exactly what happened, Paige. Paige is right. The quote doesn't make any fucking sense when it's compared to the movie. Unless the radio DJ tripped and fell down a bunch of steps and then ended up in the hospital and this entire movie has been some sort of Jacob's Ladder scenario. (laughs) So we see a swinging pocket watch and we've got a kid sitting by the fire. We will pull back to reveal that there's many kids sitting by the fire. Yeah. But there's like an old Mr. Crabsy sea captain uh, <laughs> who's like, it's 1155. Just one more story before 12. One more to keep us warm. And he does this like crazy speech that he may as well end with like, and with me eyes, I was stirring the stew. Like it's just it's bonkers. <laughs> and, and it's because it's five minutes until the 21st of April, which is, the 100 year anniversary of the founding of the town but we find out that it's also the 100 year anniversary of a shipwreck right off the coast of the town uh, because there was a deadly fog and they couldn't see anything and they thought they saw the lighthouse but it turned out it was a campfire burning strong enough to penetrate the fog so they steered towards it and were dashed on the rocks and now they pass the story down And they say that when the fog returns, the men will return with it. Which, like, he tells the children this story at the beginning of the movie, which is preceding the entire events of the movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, he pretty much explains what I wish they had made, which would have been the prequel to this movie. (laughs) Right. So he explains it. And then at no point, if so if this story has been passed down for 100 years, at no point the next day and night when there's, fuck tons of fog and people keep dying in mysterious ways does anyone go like hey um do you think it's that curse we all learned about as children for a hundred years that that seaworthy captain keeps telling us by campfires (laughs) late at night for no reason yeah, yeah, like, do, do you think that he got his peg legs because of the time the fog rolled in in 1936? Like, what? no one at any point seems to remember this story until the priest tells it to them again <laughs> later in the movie. They're like, oh, yeah, that thing that founded our town. I forgot about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We were just coming from a Founder's Day celebration, but this completely slipped our mind. By the way, the statue, you do get to see it. Oh, do you? Is the ship. It's the ship, God. It is the ship. That's funny. Not Blake's ship, Paige. (laughs) No, no, no. Blake drives a Honda, but like a a lifted (laughs) Honda with hydraulics that he Tokyo drifts. And a spoiler for no reason. No reason. 
but it's it's like the hottest car on campus. Now I just want to see like an 1830s wooden vessel with a spoiler on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I'm Blake. <laughs> Inexplicably lights around the bottom of the ship. Get in, wench. We're going pirating. <laughs> why do you think the fog was neon blue? <laughs> like, That's why it glows. <laughs> because it's a party boat. If, it, if only we like, had some bass, we would have been if it was like, on dubs, we'd be fine. <laughs> So what you're saying is the pirate ship was actually just a pontoon boat with a keg? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no wonder they crashed. <laughs> drunk driving that boat all the way to the island. There's the lighthouse. Go! Blake, you asshole. You got my dress wet. Also, I'm no sailor, but like the last time I heard, you probably shouldn't just like beeline it straight into the lighthouse. Yeah, you're not a moth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The lighthouse is to show you where to avoid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's the lighthouse. Straight ahead. I don't know a lot about boats. Uh, I'm I'm no Captain Blake. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, hidden land's bad. <laughs> My father was a sailor. You might refer to him as a little bit of a Blakehead. He raced <laughs> sailboats. So I grew up around, like, nautical things and stuff. And yeah. the first thing you learn is to not hit land. <laughs> so the bell tolls for midnight and we hear the sounds of a soft slow rock radio dj as a man mops up the floor in a church he goes through the church turning off the lights until he finally gets to the study where he walks in to father malone who is mid-drink also he's a huge dick because this guy who was mopping the floor is like hey father malone can you pay me and father malone responds with why don't you just come in two hours later tomorrow <laughs> it's the equivalent of that scene in happy gilmore when she's like, my fingers hurt. And Ben still is like, well, now your back's going to hurt. Because you just pulled landscaping yes, duty. Yes, it is. <laughs> Father Malone is a mean old priest. Yeah. Uh, he is. And uh, you will lose your mind when I tell you who the janitor is in Fun Facts. So. Oh. Was it Blake? No. <laughs> I, Blake has red eyes. You can always tell who Blake is because he's choked out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I would not be surprised if this whole movie was just a cover for that guy to kill the father because he is unpaid for his labor. <laughs> he just shows back up with the like red glowing eyes like two dollars. He stayed late two hours. The priest said come in two hours late. I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, because you don't see a problem with not paying people for their labor because you're right, a one percenter. Cool. Yeah. Cool. No, cool. No. I didn't know that your last name was Trump, Michael. <laughs> It is. When someone stays late, I make them come in later the next day because I'm an evil man. No, the problem is the not paying them, Mikey. You're focusing on the yeah. wrong thing. Yeah. It's called flex. It's called flexing time, and it's a thing people do. It is, but it's also illegal in some states, California being one of them. Not here in Tennessee. Yeah, we don't really have laws in Tennessee. It's sort of just like a free-for-all at will state. If they argue with me, I just shoot them with my six-shooter. <laughs> and, and I should clarify a, I don't know if it was a problem at this time. In California, it's it's not so much illegal illegal as as you have to, like, sign a fuck ton of waivers to do it. They really don't like you doing it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, you know, not fair. 
Because you're working longer hours than you should and your brakes are not compensated properly. Michael! (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm pretty sure the dread pirate Blake knows all about employment law, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they only work between 12 and 1. (laughs) (laughs) The witching hour. (laughs) And then if they want to flex their time, I call it the bitching hour. Oh, my God. It's also John Carpenter must not understand what witches are because, like, this is the witching hour in this movie and there's not a witch in sight. And then Halloween 3 season of the witch is leprechauns. Yeah. So, like, the magic of Stonehenge. Uh, which he has gone on to say that his visit to Stonehenge inspired this movie because it was like foggy and creepy at the time. And I was like, wait, it inspired this movie? Not the one that has Stonehenge in it years <laughs> later? <laughs> anyway, so as the janitor leaves, a chunk of brick crashes down onto the priest's desk. And there is a, it turns the radio on, which drove me crazy like i don't have misophonia but i could not handle it i was like (laughs) turn the damn radio off i can't think i thought it was hilarious though that the radio drops at this very ominous part and it's like a jaunty jazz tune from the radio station that stevie works at i have notes about why that radio station plays the songs that it plays because it's free it's because it was free and they couldn't afford (laughs) yep okay (laughs) so it was basically music they could get for for free but it just means that she's just like these songs to get you through the night and it's just like slow jazz and i'm like people are gonna (laughs) fall asleep at the wheel what are you doing (laughs) yeah trying to get more boats to land to to scuttle (laughs) to the rock she's the very definition of a siren (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not even the kind of late night music you could bump uglies to it's it's just slow jazz yeah it's not delilah (laughs) so the, the radio turns on and he finds a book no he he panicked when that that brick fell off because he's like oh no my hidden child pornography <laughs> oh see i thought he was panicking like almost blunt force trauma because it misses him by like a foot Paige, i'm pretty sure that was his written joke that was oh, my joke <laughs> do you know why those kids didn't tell their parents about the ghost story it's because they were told not to tell their parents about a lot of things oh oh mikey <laughs> Mikey's coming hard at a church that's not Catholic. Uh, I I think that church is Catholic. It can't be Catholic. His grandfather was the father. Oh, you're right. He's just the same religion as Mel Gibson and (laughs) Sons. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is made up. A little made up. But people did confirm that uh, Episcopalian priest, reverend, rector, whatever you want to call them, can perform confession rites if they choose. It's just not a part of the traditional, like, it's not their normal MO, but they are trained to do it. No, yeah. I like all these movie religions that don't really exist. Like, don't ask Italian. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anywho. So he pulls a journal from the wall, and it is his grandfather's journal. We know because it has the same name. Yeah. And it says, he opens it up to a page. Dear Diary. He says, I have so many regrets. <laughs> <laughs> there actually, there's a couple different, he flips through a few different pages. I have... Uh, in fun facts, some of the stuff that's written on those pages. But the main one we see is it says midnight till one belongs to the dead. God help us. Yeah. Credits have been going this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still going. Because this is where we get the credit for Tom Atkins. Because <laughs> in my notes, I was like, he's in this. Halloween 3, back in the habit. Like, let's do it. <laughs> His plot starts out strong. We'll get there. But... <laughs> 
So we cut to the sheriff station where we hear dispatch radio, and then we hear a whole bank of payphones ringing. We cut inside to a convenience store where a janitor mops up the store, drinks juice off the shelf, and then just puts it right back. Yeah. Uh, we get a cool set of mirror shots, and then there's a crash in the store. The shelves all begin to shake, and bottles fall, and the janitor walks out into kind of the main walkway of the store to investigate and sees that the sign for the store is broken and swinging, and that noise nearly drove me insane. <laughs> he turns all the lights on, and outside at the gas pumps, we see that a pump is pulled out and hits the ground, dumping gas all over the pavement. We also see in the shop, like there's like an auto shop next to it, the hydraulic lift in the shop goes off, so does the bell to notify people that like a car is done. Yeah. We cut down a street and all of the car horns and alarms go off for like a whole street. We see a TV go kind of wonky and staticky. We see furniture move. And then we cut back to the radio DJ who says that it's six minutes after midnight. We then cut to a trucker. It is Tom Atkins and he picks up a hitchhiker it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Wait, yeah. wait, does the gas station ever come back into play? No. No, never. Because it sets up this whole thing where I was like, oh my God, that's going to blow up the gas station. Me too, because it was pouring gas yeah. everywhere. It didn't. They didn't have the budget for all that. They only had budget to have people lay down in those cars and turn on the lights and hit the horn at the same time. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's going to blow it up. I want this movie to start with ghosts blowing up a gas station, but then it no, didn't. No, they can't afford that. They had to hire all those hookers. <laughs> 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 so yeah tom Atkins picks up jamie lee curtis and he's like hey you've hitchhiked before i see mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and hands her an open beer because you could fully still drink in the car yeah hell yeah she says it's her first time hitchhiking we find out that that is a lie they always say it's their first time <laughs> Mikey, no. <laughs> I wrote that joke. That does not at all surprise me, but it scares me. This is like the blood and scratch marks from last week. Oh, um, oh God. Okay, so she does mean that it's her first time hitchhiking in so much as that this is the first trip she has hitchhiked. She asks him, are you weird? As if like a weird person is just going to be like, yes, I've got machetes in the back and I'm going to wear your skin. <laughs> oh, that's cool. He says, yes, he's weird. And she's like, oh, thank God. The last guy was so normal. Yeah. And this is where we find out that he's her 13th. And he's like weird and unlucky. And as they're kind of laughing about it, all the windows in the truck shatter. Like explode. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. you know. There's nothing wrong with being a girl's 13th. I don't know if this is a joke or where it's going, but I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm just going to say that people's numbers don't dictate what kind of people they are. Yeah. So, like, it's fine to be somebody's 13th, I would say. Dating in your 30s? I don't want to know your numbers, ever. I don't know why anyone really needed to know, unless there's a, a medical status that goes along with it. <laughs> I'm also not good at math. <laughs> like, 13, how many is it? I don't have that many fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take off your shoes. Uh, well, now, now it's not going to happen. That's a mood killer. <laughs> I know Mikey's always sending pictures of his feet to Natalie, but I'm sure that immediately puts her off. Yeah, I mean, it's not something she looks forward to. It is funny, though. <laughs> They're action shots. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just be walking and I'll send a video. <laughs> I wish this was a joke. It is not. <laughs> 
I know she dates Todd, so she probably doesn't have a lot of attractive feet in her life. I have manly <laughs> hobbit feet, Mikey. <laughs> manly? Otherworldly would be a better... Like, you have the feet of the dead pirate Blake. <laughs> They're hooks? There's hooks? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. One of the lepers. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we cut to the DJ in the lighthouse. This is the first time we find out that her radio station is in the lighthouse. Yeah. And I have to assume that it's because it's a tall vantage point, which makes it easier to broadcast. But it's not. I mean, uh, that is sort of like, okay, that sort of makes sense. Right. But if you see it when she walks down to it, <laughs> it's down. It's down. Yeah. She's like yeah. under where the land is. It's insane. Right. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that they started a radio station there specifically to tell the weather to ships. Yeah. But she's just like, what if we also did smooth jazz as well? And they were like, yeah, we don't <laughs> care. Eight people listen and they only need the weather. So as long as you break in every two minutes and tell them the weather, you can do whatever you want. This next request <laughs> comes to us from the dread pirate Blake. He says, hey, girl. I'm hooked on you. <laughs> but at least she knows it's not great. Because in between, like, as she's playing songs, she's just like, that sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, she's like, she's breaking records because she's like, I mean, it has the most accurate weather prediction of anyone. They're like, the rain's going down Fifth Avenue. It's going to take a left on third. Get your umbrellas <laughs> out, out there. Yeah. That's, that's my literal favorite favorite part of this movie. Because A, it posits that she's looking down on the town. She is not. <laughs> no, she, she is, is not. She is miles away. But it also posits that the fog has a commute. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's almost there. It's stopped for Starbucks. Yeah, it's just. If it was just the ship surrounded by fog and not like miles of fog, that could have been cool. I mean, it would be ghost ship instead of, yeah. of fog. Or Pirates of the Caribbean. I want a rated R horror version of Pirates of the Caribbean. Sure. I mean, I want that too. Yeah. A good pirate movie is always good. I do think the idea of a fog that covers a place and there's deadly stuff in the fog is scary. I think that's a pretty scary idea. Yeah, that's the mist. Yeah, the mist is really scary. Yeah. Yeah. The more I was thinking about it, I was I was more like this would be cool over like a cemetery or something and they're old soldiers or something like that. Like I was trying to think of like other options for it because the pirate angle is so strange. <laughs> and also Blake, like yeah. not even like something beard. Like what's <laughs> happening? I mean, is Blake a pirate because he, like, plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, what is <laughs> happening? But so she answers the phone in the studio while a song's playing, and it's the weatherman who's, like, trying to get up in them guts. Yeah. She is kind of like, pass, but can you tell me what's happening with the weather? He's like, it's raining. It's raining a half mile away. <laughs> it's raining, man. Hallelujah. Also, there's fog. Warn people. <laughs> He's like, there's a thunderstorm in my pants. <laughs> That's a real Mikey move. If you let me come over there, lightning might strike. <laughs> He's so creepy. He might as well be saying things like, I bet it's really wet at the lighthouse. Yeah. yeah if you yeah. really want to get creepy weather stuff, you should be like, hey, girl, if you let me come to that lighthouse, I'm going to cause a flash flood in your pants. <laughs> I love when Mikey bails halfway through the punchline because he knows it's gross. That's my favorite. 
It's like he has a conscience for like a half second and then it, the conscience checks out and he finishes the joke. <laughs> I, I just want to hear her respond and just be like, actually, it's Haley. <laughs> be like, what? Oh. what is what is that what's going on and she's oh. like i have a kid <laughs> like girl i'm gonna take you out so much those levees are gonna break and the town's gonna flood oh. so this is also where we find out that she owns the station yes <laughs> oh i have two hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> Have have lighthouse will travel. Um, But so he lets her know that there's a boat 15 miles out called the Seagrass. But then there's also a fog bank that's 25 miles out and moving in their direction. So we cut to the guys on the Seagrass and they're like listening to her broadcast like, hey, there's fog coming to you guys. And they're just like, I want to meet her. She sounds sexy. She sounds great. <laughs> and one of them is like longingly looking out a porthole like to see, like there's no fog out there, but there fully is. Like there's already yeah. fog out there. He's, He's like, like, I want to see her porthole. Oh, gross. Um, but then there is fog. <laughs> Because he's literally like, there's no fog bank out there. And then we watch as it's just like, and it just kind of like grows across the horizon. And it makes that noise, which I hate. Also, does Doppler radar pick up on fog? Oh, Mikey. You're asking the wrong people. Uh, I actually took a bunch of meteorology classes in Never, and no, I have no idea, Mikey. Why, why, would, why would I know that? I imagine it does because that's what they're looking at, right? I'm going to Google it while we talk about other stuff because I just need to know. Okay, so there's a storm on the horizon. Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da. Coming towards the boat. If by storm, you mean fog. Yes. So the people on the boat say, well, I'm drunk enough. Let's go home. So, yes, people were just like drunk driving boats into the rocks all over this island. Yeah. So as they're driving away, they're kind of watching the fog outside and they notice that there's lights in the fog. Yeah. It's a rave fog. Like Blake is just throwing a party. Yeah. He's having a good time. Yeah. The music really should be just like. <laughs> it's sandstorm. Sandstorm. <laughs> the, the glowing is just their glow sticks, as they're just like body shot. <laughs> Honestly, when when these guys get killed in this scene that we're talking about right now, it should just be Steve Aoki hitting them with a the cake. <laughs> oh, uh, so they start the ship back towards land, but the fog is engulfing them, and it flows into their generator and kills it. They go back out onto the deck and see a giant pirate ship next to them. Yes, they hear something splash into the water, but then when they look back, the boat is gone like the whole pirate ship's gone then suddenly they are surrounded by ghosts with knives and hook hands and they straight up get murdered yeah they get stabbed like one gets stabbed like from behind them and the other guy gets just hooked down it was pretty brutal yeah but not in a scary way it honestly (laughs) is not super scary this to me felt like it was like a 1950s movie that had been done well because it's like that level of scary it's like not super scary or gory this could have been super scary it's just not. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, like the pieces are there, but the puzzle's not finished. What I thought was interesting, though, is every time you see the pirates and Blake, obviously, if you look in the background, you can see the dead mouse head on one of them. <laughs> 
and they've all got their sleeves cut off for some reason. It's really weird. Yeah, I think it's probably because he's trying to hide the fact that he's fully fifty-five years old. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I really like smoke machines because the smoke smells like pancake syrup. It, to me. it does. Oh, Mikey, it does. Yeah. Paige, you have to get a smoke machine right now, and it just makes your house smell like, <laughs> like pancakes. I don't, why would I need a smoke machine? For sexy times, Paige. Why, why, yeah. why, why wouldn't like, you What if Jake machine? rose out of the fog? Yeah. <laughs> just picture this. The door opens. Fog rushes <laughs> in. Jake walks uh-huh. in. Only a flannel shirt, maybe flannel <laughs> pants, holding a plate of toast. What does Paige do? Uh-huh. We know what Paige does. And then does. instead of a dick, it's a hook. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, no. Paige, you'd be hooked on it for sure. No. No, that's like that scene in Seven, and I don't like that. Oh, I was thinking that it's pretty easy for them to tell when the ghosts are around because they just hear the sound of flip-flops. <laughs> uh, anyway, I did note in my notes as I was watching it that these ghosts are pretty corporeal. Yeah. Like, they're not your normal, like, ghosty ghosts that are just around. Like, the fog comes, and then it's very real people affecting real change in our realm. Yeah, they are not at all. Well, I mean, they might be ghosts, sure, but they are not ghostly. They are full-on people who are stabbing people, right? Yeah, like yeah. Jeffrey Rush is up in here stabbing people through the eyes and shit, and yeah. uh, that's this movie. But the three drunk dudes on the seagrass are fully dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of them gets both his eyes poked out with hooks. Yeah. So we cut back to the radio DJ, and she's just like, oh, that fog bank has moved, uh, but it's moving against the wind, and that's a little weird. Doppler radar does not pick up fog. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so the only way they'd be able to tell is just like looking out the window yeah so <laughs> this ruins this movie so much for me that i can't even comprehend it i like that that's what ruined it for you not not the fact that it's a deadly magical fog that just drops murderous hookers on people <laughs> no 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 the fact that you can't pick it up on Doppler. <laughs> well, like, it's really important to be honest about predicting the weather. <laughs> oh my God. He couldn't even finish that sentence. <laughs> no, it's so dumb. It's just so dumb. Oh. I'm ready. Let's move on. But I, I hate that. So the weatherman calls her and he's talking about the fog. He's like, you know what fog is, lady? Moist droplets. Uh, it's moist water vapor <laughs> It'd be really weird If you start referring to like Being aroused as the fog <laughs> like, You're like Oh my basement is getting foggy <laughs> <laughs> The tutors is on Oh I oh. feel a fog coming through <laughs> You want to make some fog Like uh, that scene in Titanic Where Jack and they're in the car You know what I'm saying And she slaps her hand against it No because we I've never seen the movie Titanic We have to watch that for Romance in the Fire <laughs> That's going to be a legit That's going to be a two-parter yeah, That's yeah. got to be a two-parter <laughs> Any movie that came on two VHS tapes Is definitely a two-parter <laughs> So when we do Fiddler on the Roof It'll be that way too <laughs> Oh yes Mikey will hate Fiddler on the Roof I don't want to do that uh, We cut back to the weatherman on the phone with her Kind of yeah. trying to correct her weather report And she's like "Now nah, the fog is moving away From where the wind is moving And he's just like well I can't fucking see it I mean what am I, what am I saying There's no way for me to tell what <laughs> fog is Yeah <laughs> My radar is just empty <laughs> 
He does fall explain to her in that scene, though. <laughs> He's like, look, when your labia minora and majora start to get moist. Oh, my God. Uh, it's uh, called do. <laughs> he said fog explain, and I was like, hmm. Um, so he asks to take her to dinner tonight. And for a hot second, I was just like, it's midnight. What are you talking? But he means the next day. So we cut to Jamie Lee Curtis in bed with Tom Atkins. Yes. <laughs> Despite fully being a teenager. <laughs> um, yeah. And they introduce themselves. And her name is Elizabeth. His name is Nick Castle. Can I break in here for a little Todd fun fact? Yes. All right. So this movie came out in 1980, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Atkinson was 45 when this movie came out. Jamie Lee Curtis was 22, I believe. The difference in ages is 23 years. In Halloween 3, Stacey, who is sort of the main female character in that movie, was also 23 when she was forced to pantomime having sex with Tom Atkins when he was 47 (laughs) years old. I don't know why they make... Is he a sex symbol in this time period? I... Well, he's not my type to begin with. Yeah, because he's fully fucking 48 years old. (laughs) And Paige, you're not his type because you're over 22. (laughs) That's fair. Um, I just think John Carpenter has an issue with casting age-appropriate people. I just think he likes working with Tom Atkins is what it is. Yeah, because sure. Because he's in a, you know, multiple. Well, so same with Jamie Lee Curtis. But here, I mean, and this is kind of before Carpenter starts working with Kurt Russell religiously, because imagine if it was Kurt Russell. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And like, also, if you meet a 23-year-old and she wants to sleep with you. Nope. Oh. I'm not buying what you're selling, sir. <laughs> I hope this is a setup for a great joke, but I fear it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that I mean we've all done it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we, when I was 23 and 24, we have not done it. I was a late bloomer, so I I honestly don't think I've ever slept with somebody under 25. Well, go out and pick up a hitchhiker. No, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> you know, Paige cuz they have to cuz the implication. Oh. oh. <laughs> She's on a boat with him later. Okay, this is romancing the pod conversation, but fine. Um, People get better at sex with age. Yes, you would think. (laughs) I'm still dating. I mean, but like, screw a 20-something. Get yourself a 30-something. Stop screwing 20-somethings. Hey, Hey. if you're 23 and you want to bone people, do it with other 23 or 4-year-olds so that you all get better at sex so that by the time you're all 30, you can all have way more fulfilling sex lives with long-term partners, if that's what you choose to do with your life. <laughs> so this is where we first learn their names, and they first learn each other's names. Uh, she's Elizabeth, he's Nick, and they're flipping through her drawings, and she reveals that she's from a rich Pasadena family, Yeah, but never has a chance to do what she wants to do. And she's Which, essentially a teenage runaway yes. that has just slept with a man in his 40s. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and he asks to buy a drawing, but she ends up giving it to him for free. And then they start making out like they're going to go for round two. Yeah. But then somebody knocks on the door and it's a shadowy figure that you can see has a hook for a hand. Yeah. Because he's knocking with the hook. Yeah. And you can see that through the window. I had a problem with these windows. Did anyone else? Because it looked like. I, it looked like it was in the movie the last samurai yes yeah. yes i was like is he a ninja 
What is that? Why does he have these windows? Does he live in a dojo? What is happening? I mean, I could totally see his whole apartment or house being samurai themed. I'm I'm gonna say Every fratty douchebag I have ever dated or been interested in has owned a katana. Uh, so it tracks for the type of pirates we're dealing with in this movie. Yes, Jake owns a katana. I don't know why you even felt like you had to ask. Uh. <laughs> but I mean, Tom Atkins gets up and says, strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. <laughs> because he's in a dojo anyway so he walks to the door and then the grandfather clock on the wall explodes yeah it breaks yeah and then the the witching hour is over so he's saved (laughs) he's saved one o'clock the witching hour is over now it's time for dick o'clock i mean that's why the hookers showed up they're like it's about to be dick o'clock let us in We cut to the DJ where she reveals that her broadcast ends at 1 and starts at 6 p.m. So she's only on the air for seven hours. Yeah. There's no one else manning that station or anything at all for the other 20, no, math, her brain. <laughs> you know how days are 32 hours long, right? <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it. This coming from the woman who was very upset that the numbers in the last episode were a day <laughs> off. 17 hours. So yeah. the, her, her station is off for 17 hours. That's because she's not really a radio DJ. She is a weather broadcaster for ships. And they just don't have the heart to tell her to stop playing <laughs> shitty jazz. <laughs> I think she's just a delusional woman who talks into a microphone that's not plugged in. <laughs> that is what's happening later in the movie when the power is very much still out and she's somehow still broadcasting. Well, she starts a generator. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So we cut to the next day and the kid from the campfire at the beginning of the movie is running through tide pools and finds a gold doubloon and as he runs up on it, it turns into a a piece of wood from a ship and it says the Dane. It just says Dane across it. Mm -hmm. So he runs home, wakes up his mom who is the DJ and tells her the whole story of like it was a gold coin and then it turned into a piece of wood and then he decides that he's going to go look for more stuff. So he runs out and leaves her with that piece of wood. Yeah, he was like, mommy, look, I'm becoming a man. I found morning wood. Oh, (laughs) no. I'm so sorry, Mikey. I don't like it. (laughs) We cut to the docks where Elizabeth and Nick show up, but the guys that Nick was supposed to meet never came back in right? because they stayed out at sea and got some hookers, <laughs> technically. Uh, but it's the people from the seagrass. So they're going to go talk to somebody about basically taking them out to try and find the boat. Yeah, someone who owes them a favor. It, they do mention that character by name, but it never comes back. It never comes back. And Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Elizabeth, is like, okay, where to next? And he's like, oh, I thought you had to move on, basically, like, keep hitchhiking. And she's like, eventually, almost like implying that they're going to, like, settle down in his dojo and <laughs> and start a rival karate faction to the Mr. Miyagi <laughs> faction that's currently building in town. Oh, man. Okay. okay. I, I watched that show. Honestly, I would. Cobra Kai's great. It is great. If it was revealed at the end of season three that Tom Atkins was, like, the bad guy. In the Cobra Kai dojo? Oh, shit. I would love that. Sorry. (laughs) Put him in a Halloween mask, Johnny. Um, (laughs) Hell yeah. So we cut to two women planning the town's Founders Day, and they're walking through all the preparations for the party that night. 
which the weatherman did mention because he was asking if the DJ was going to be there. And she's like, no, I have to broadcast. Yeah. So they're walking through. This is where you kind of get a glimpse of the statue and they're kind of setting up all the stands for people and everything like that. We cut to the DJ driving up the coast. I'm assuming to the lighthouse for her <laughs> broadcast, but it's like a long long drive yeah and she's listening to whoever else is like i don't know broadcasting mariner secrets or something and finds out <laughs> that the seagrass never came in last night <laughs> what i think is that's the other rival lighthouse in the town that's yeah. the fm lighthouse she's the am the lighthouse, FM lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> today's weather mariner reports in the 80s 90s and hits of today <laughs> A movie That's from the really 80s fun. would not have 90s hits. That's why not? <laughs> the 1890s. That's oh, why yeah. she's playing that music. It's straight up sea shanties. I mean, sea shanties are very in right now. They Look, are. Look, guys, time is a flat circle, and that flat circle is a record. <laughs> so. Is this where she drives up to her lighthouse, and then she starts playing a tape deck full of. Not yet. That's way later. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. Because it cuts back and forth to her making the drive to the lighthouse. Right. A few different times, implying that the lighthouse is far away enough and high enough that she can look down on everybody. But, like, it is not. It is nowhere close to anything. And she drives within the time of this movie, like, an hour. <laughs> it's a long drive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we're comparing her driving to the other things that are seemingly happening at the same time, she drives, like, an hour to that station. But we cut to a boat. Nick and Elizabeth are out with whoever's going to help them find the seagrass and they actually spot it. And this is where we actually kind of find out that one of the men that was on the seagrass, his wife is the one planning the processional that night. Yeah. And we, we cut back to her. She reveals that her dog started to bark at the ocean and her assistant reveals that her car alarm went off for no reason. So this movie is almost like the day after any other horror movie. So like it's like the day after Michael Myers took over Halloween where like most people are just going to be like, yeah, we went trick or treating and saw some kids running around. A little strange, but otherwise it was normal. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, so we cut to the seagrass where they have boarded it and there's no bodies or sign of them on the boat. But there is water in the generator. Yeah, there's like water in all of the compartments that make the boat work, right? Right. So like the engine is flooded for no reason. The generator's right. flooded, all of that stuff. It's like what we see the fog going into and then the thing sort of shutting down. It's like getting water in there somehow, magically. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, my condo if I invite you over, you know what I'm saying? I think he's implying that fog makes you wet. Well, that's true, technically. <laughs> it is water vapor. <laughs> So we cut back to the woman planning the Founders Day party and her assistant, and they drive up to the church. And as they're driving up, she's kind of talking about how she wants to restore the cemetery and repair the church and that they need the priest to give the benediction at the Founders Day party. And yeah. They just got to hope that he is not half in the bag already. Anyway, so they arrive and no one answers the door. It's not a good sign. They enter. They call for him. Um but he doesn't seem to be anywhere until he just like sneaks up on her out of nowhere. <laughs> and he basically tells them, I have something to show you. And this is where he shows them the journal and reads about how his grandfather met with the dread pirate Blake for the first time. Yeah. 
So back on the seagrass, they inspect the ship and every gauge is broken, including the thermometer, and it's stopped at 20 degrees. Then we cut back to the church where the priest says Blake's proposition was simple. You do me, I do you. (laughs) (laughs) We help each other out. <laughs> um, no, the, the the proposition was that he wanted to relocate his leper colony to about a mile up the coast, and in return, he would provide them the basically the current colony of people who had settled in this area with money to build an actual town, yeah, and to build a church, basically in return for letting the leper colony move close to them. And we find out that his ship was the Dane. So this is why we have that piece of wood. We cut to the seagrass where we find out that the radio has been on this whole time but quiet because they were listening to that radio DJ and she's not broadcasting during the day. Right. And the ship seems to be abandoned and they find that there's salt water in everything, in the beers, Mm -hmm. everywhere. It seems like the boat's been underwater for some time. And things are like rusted shut. We cut back to the church where in reading the journal, they find out that April 20th, 100 years before, they planned to kill everyone coming for that leper colony from midnight to 1 a.m., take all of their gold so they still had the money to found the town, but then they didn't have to be close to a leper colony. So they're assholes. Yeah, they murder those lepers and Captain Blake. Back on the seagrass, Elizabeth and Nick sit on the boat and wait for the Coast Guard. And Elizabeth basically says, ever since you picked me up, things have been going wrong. I'm bad luck. And he says, I don't believe in luck, good or bad. But I got pretty lucky last night. (laughs) Hey, finger guns. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you, Macho Man Randy (laughs) He tells a story about how his dad was a fisherman and one night he was out on the sea and thought he saw a ship heading right for him. He tried to radio the ship. There was no reply. Basically, it's a ghost ship. And so he boarded it, but it was empty. They had food and hot coffee on the table, but the tin cup for the coffee was rusted to the table and he found a coin. Now, that doesn't make sense because that's everything that happens in this movie, basically. Yeah. Except that the events of this movie are supposed to happen every hundred years, which would imply that this fog thing has happened before. And that's why the ship looked the way that it did. Yeah. That maybe they claimed them. I don't know. Yeah. I got the impression that it did claim them. And the boat just had like water damage, like it had been out there forever because the fog does that to boats or does that to the town or whatever. Yeah. Except that it hasn't been out there forever. It's got hot coffee and food on the table. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's weird. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's the impression that I got. Right. And it doesn't make sense within the plot, but it implies that it's the same thing that's happening now. Yeah. So as he's telling her the story behind Jamie Lee Curtis, a locker starts to open and Tom Atkins says that when his father went to give him the coin, he found it was gone. And as he does that, the locker pops open and one of the bodies of the men from the ship falls on her. Literally that. Okay. So that actually did scare me because they, they sort of forecast what? Yeah, I know. I, shut up. This, 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 <laughs> this is the point of the podcast, Mikey. It forecasts the 
cabinet or whatever that thing is opening. So you sort of expect that quote unquote jump scare. So I was like, ha ha, I knew that was coming and it didn't scare me. And then this body jumps out from behind her. And I was like, oh my God. So yeah, the <laughs> misdirection of that got me. I will say it's probably the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> it is. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. So we cut back to the church where we finish the story with the priest who basically reveals that the town people lit that campfire to specifically draw the ship to dash on the rocks at Spivey Point. And then they recovered, I'm guessing, the gold from the shipwreck somehow and used it to found the town and pay for the church. And so he basically says the celebration tonight is honoring murderers. So, and I mean, his granddad is one of those people. Yeah. We cut to the DJ who is still driving along the coast. So she still hasn't made it to the lighthouse yet. Right. <laughs> and at this point, I was like, who is watching her child? But we find out who it is in just a little bit. Yeah. She gets to the radio station and takes the plank of wood with her. And she climbs an offensive amount of stairs. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so many stairs. Yeah. Imagine ending your shift at 1 a.m. and having to climb a thousand steps to your car uphill. Oh, fuck it to death. No, yeah. never. It sounds terrible. So she sets that plank of wood down on, it's a cassette shelf. She sets her mobile radio down next to it, playing. We cut back to the church, and this is when he tells them about how he found the journal, and they reveal that it's basically the same time the whole town fell apart last night. And he reveals that it's also the same time the conspirators met so many years ago, and he won't give the benediction because the town is cursed. Yeah. And so they're like, cool, we're going to go now, um, but we're going to have the doctor drop by. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and he's like, we're cursed, all of us. And they're like, have fun. Bye. And so they leave. <laughs> I mean, they just think he's crazy because he's a drunk, you know, pastor or whatever. Yeah. And then back in the radio station, that plank of wood starts thinking about Chris Evans and gets <laughs> completely soaking wet on its own. And straight ruins that whole <laughs> shelf of tapes. Yeah. They, that would ruin every cassette she has. And so bye-bye slow jazz. <laughs> it also shorts out her radio and she hears a creepy message. And now when she looks at that plank of wood, it says six must die. And it's on fire. It's on fire. It's insane. This plank is on fire. <laughs> Which is uh, like a mixed theme because it's like, I thought we were doing water. I, I think we're doing fog. It's pirate NATO, man. What do you want? But yeah, so she <laughs> runs over to the piece of wood that says six must die on it and she hoses it down with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, she's like, oh, this is badass. I'm going to hang this up. Six must die is way cooler. <laughs> now remember that number six because it does not come back into play ever again in no, the movie. No, it does. It does, really? Mikey. Yeah. I had a hard time concentrating watching this movie. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> what else is new? I know. I feel like every, every time we watch a movie, we're like, yes, this is a very important number or symbol or thing that comes back. And you're like, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> He's like, that's only count four deadly sins in seven. <laughs> oh, we got to make you watch seven. That's then. a joke about a movie I've never seen. I I'm just taking seven. wild guesses about the plot. What's in the uh, box? Planks of wood. So everything seems back to normal. Her tapes are unruined. And we cut to back on the boat. They've kind of pulled out the body that they found. Yeah. And it looks like he's drowned. 
but he was on the boat. So they're like, how could he drown and not touch the water? Yeah. Basically being like, how can he be on the boat, have only been out for a certain amount of hours, but he looks like he's been floating underwater for weeks. So we cut back to the DJ's house where her son and his caretaker are hanging out in the house. She asks him about the driftwood and she's like, don't pick up anything on the beach. Come get me first, okay? And I'm like, that should have been your rule all along. There's needles on the beach. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in the 80s. Not this beach. I mean, you have not been to a California beach, but it's like 80% needles. A California beach is not every beach. But this is a California beach. <laughs> this movie is set in Northern California. <laughs> in fact, Mikey, I don't know if you realize this, but the PCH is the main road she takes to her lighthouse. Yes, I'm not it even is. joking. I did know that because it shows LAX in the background <laughs> when she, she's driving. LAX is eight hours away from where she is. So basically we reveal that his babysitter's there and it's, it's an older woman and she basically tells him don't leave the house tonight. And he's like, oh, Okay, fine. Jeez. So she starts the broadcast and she's like, I've picked some special songs for the hundredth birthday and then plays the same elevator music bullshit. She's been playing this whole movie. It's literally called Muzak because it's like that elevator music they play in elevators. (laughs) 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 Welcome to DJ. Uh, welcome to 4.54 a.m., your elevator music. Uh, the fog is on the second floor. It's, it's taking the stairs. It's moving past the conference room into the break area. Oh, my God, it's in women's lingerie. Now it's going to cutlery. So the old lady and the kids can see the fog out the window, and he's like, what are those clouds out there? And she's just like, mm. I'm, I'm just here to make sure you don't swallow something wrong. And so uh, we cut to the autopsy where they reveal that something was shoved into the man's ocular cavities. And I feel like Vicky did these lines better. But <laughs> oh, Phil Hartman's amazing in that movie. <laughs> uh, essentially, the the coroner is like, yeah, this dude fully drowned weeks Ago. Yeah, he's like, I know, I know, I saw him three days ago somewhere, but his body has been in the ocean for like a month. And they reveal that there's someone else that's a part of their friend group that's coming back from Bodega Bay, which is very important because that is also in Northern California, but it's the setting of the movie The Birds. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But this body's covered in algae. He's been underwater for a month, as far as they know. Uh, and the body's on the operating table. And Tom Atkins and the coroner go outside, leaving Jamie Lee Curtis alone with the body. Rude. And they basically <laughs> say, like, hey, it just got really cold in here. And we cut back to Jamie Lee Curtis, and the sheet is moving. And she's just looking out the window. Yeah. Like, that's way too high to see anything other than sky. It's she's the staring at a shot. wall. Yeah. There's nothing going on. She's like, I don't want to look at the body. Yeah. But so they're out in the hallway arguing like, no, dude, he was on the boat. Like he didn't drown. I don't even explain it either. And as they do that, the body gets up off the table, grabs a scalpel and walks towards Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And then it trips and draws a butt on the floor. It's a three because he was the third yes. body. No, look at it again. It's a butt. I mean, it looks like a butt, but it's it's a, <laughs> it's a three. But it just falls right before he gets to her. So, like, it's not a zombie that's coming for her. It's just delivering a message. 
Yeah, and that message is nice butt. Hell yeah! <laughs> Send more <laughs> cops brains. Um. Do more squats. <laughs> Butts. Okay, somebody make a butt zombies movie. I'll watch it. So I am into that. It's really just Tina from Bob's Burgers. Are you talking about a movie where a bunch of undead things want to eat ass? <laughs> yeah, man. That is a movie I would watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Squat Walking Dead. Oh. <laughs> so night starts to fall and a horrible fog rolls in. No surprises here. It's a disco fog that rolls in. <laughs> we cut to the party where the mayor is giving a speech about the founding of the town. Yeah. And they basically have to tell the old lady who's working on the Founders Day festivities that her husband is very likely dead. And it is very, yeah. very sad. But she's like, I'm going to be strong and go out there and give a speech because... She's fucking nuts, I guess. Um, <laughs> She's like, our marriage has been dead for years. <laughs> <laughs> but this town is still alive. And like, I don't know. I thought it was great that she like took it on herself to finish what she committed to. I thought it was weird yeah. that she started her speech with the whole, you know, hey, guys, fuck lepers. Am I right? <laughs> I thought that was a bit tasteless. <laughs> but, you know, it's whatever. I get it. Okay, yeah. on a serious note, did you guys think that this was going to be a set piece for like a big like town like yeah. mass murder? Yes. I did. Yes, I did. I thought it was going to go full like Carrie, but the fog. And I thought that would have been really cool. Yeah, that movie would be cool, Mikey. <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> So Nick and Elizabeth are there kind of in, it looks like there's like a bar area that's off to the side of the party and they're listening to the radio. And so Nick calls into the DJ about the seagrass to basically tell her what they found. Yeah, because she had just mentioned it on the radio. Right. And Which so is, why would he do this? Why would any of this movie happen, Mikey? It's pirate NATO <laughs> and you got to stop questioning. It. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she gives them information about the fog. So they're basically like trading pieces of intel. Yeah. And the weatherman calls and is just like, hey, the fog is coming back again. And Speaking Speaking of coming again, oh, sorry, it's 12 o'clock. My pants about to get foggy. <laughs> oh, I want to watch a movie where a guy like undoes his pants and like fog just rolls out. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. That scene in Fifty Shades of Grey with the dick neck, but instead it's uh, just fog. Fog and lasers, like little laser, like laser pointers coming out. With, with sandstorm. just. We're going to get sued by Darude. It's going to be very embarrassing for us. I'm sorry. If my bad version of sandstorm is enough to get us sued, they have bigger problems because I am not doing that song justice. <laughs> so uh, they reveal that there's another fog bank and it's heading inland. So she gives a special weather bulletin on the air and basically talks about how it's the fog is about to hit the weather station. So Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis, who were driving towards the lighthouse, turn around and get to the weather station instead and the weatherman's still like you sound different tonight kind of intense the fog should be right outside and she can see it from the lighthouse and it's glowing well and you can see it in the window behind him it's like fogging up his window and he's like oh it's here someone's flashing a light through the window i wonder what this could be well he also insinuates that she's on coke meanwhile his door looks like <laughs> that is true yeah but it's the 80s so she probably was she probably was his door looks like prince is about to walk through it and release a dove like <laughs> it's crazy if john woo had directed this movie <laughs> yeah. it would have been exactly <laughs> that 
I wish the the light of the fog was red though, so we could have more like the LLC coming coming back. <laughs> As he goes to open the door, I just wanted to like, how can you just leave me standing? Because like that's exactly what it looks like. Alone in the fog, that's so cold. So he decides to just open the door, even though she's like, don't open it, stay inside. Oh my god. Uh, he opens the door. There's no one there. Right. He thinks until he gets a hook to the neck. A hand grabs his face and then hooks like in the side of his neck. It's pretty gross, actually. It's pretty it's gross. gross. Uh, and I would like to point out that the very next thing that the DJ does is do an urgent bulletin on air asking the sheriff to call her. And I'm like, bitch, you're holding a phone. Call 911. I know. Right. Why does she not call 911 here? It makes no sense to me. I have no idea. The only thing I, I can think is that every emergency responder in town is at that party. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. But that's not like no one says that. Right. Like. Right. So at the power plant. We see the fog take over some of the main power lines and start to kind of creep under the doorways and everything at the power plant. Yeah. Back at the party, the candlelight procession towards the statue starts. Back at the lighthouse, the outside, her window looks like a velvet painting, like a black light <laughs> painting, like yeah. poster. The power goes out. She tries starting the generator. Back at her house... Her son is like, why don't the lights go out? And the the old babysitter is like, I don't know. Somebody else usually takes care of that. They, <laughs> she says they usually fix it pretty quick. Calm down. It's fine. It's fine. Meanwhile, the truck arrives at the weather station. The fog closes in on the DJ's house where her son and the caretaker are. Yeah. Which they start to go close all the windows. And I'm like, you live on the coast. It would be freezing if yeah. any of those windows were open like what are you doing they should be closed already yeah anyway. northern california <laughs> in april it's probably 38 degrees outside it's so fucking well, cold yeah. on the coast yeah fun fog fact for water vapor to condense it's got to be cold so you wouldn't have the fog if it was warm I really do love that Mikey at the beginning of this episode knew nothing about fog and has been Googling fog facts. And has, has learned a bunch about it. Yeah. So she gets the generator going and runs upstairs to basically send a message over the airways to her son and his caretaker, which, by the way, everyone is hearing. Yeah. Anyone who still has a radio is hearing her scream this. She's real not good at phones. Right. <laughs> well, the phone. The phones are now it died. out. Yeah. It, it, it died, but like she could have very easily called 911 earlier when it was not dead and didn't. Yeah. Well, okay. So actually, landline phones work if your power's out. Yeah. But the phone lines were also knocked out. So she can't right. use the phone now. But you're right. right. The fog also is a gremlin and it just like <laughs> messes with electronics, apparently. I want to see a pirate gremlin. Yeah. I want pirate gremlins. It's basically the movie I want. But my thing is if they knock down the power grid for the town, yeah. which it, it implies that they do, yeah. would that not also take out her radio tower? No, because it runs on a generator. Yeah, so no, it would still it would still run with that generator. So the implication is that her lighthouse is also the tower she's broadcasting off of. Yeah, yes. probably. Okay. I mean, we do see her climb on top of that tower at the end of this movie. I mean, she climbs on the roof, but we don't right. see an antenna. You there know. isn't one. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
So we cut to the house where someone is knocking at the door and the truck, Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis are now kind of turning and they're en route to her house to help save the son. The <laughs> caretaker. <laughs> Tom Atkins is just bored, man. Yeah. He's like, oh, let's go there. Now let's go there. Let's, let's go. go there. I do love that in that first scene where we see Tom and Jamie Lee Curtis, the windows and windshield blow out of that truck. And then the rest of the movie, they are driving around town in a, it's, it's like the reverse of a convention. Convertible. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So the babysitter sends Andy to his room and they're trying to like close all the windows and lock all the doors. But honestly, the fog for some reason always has to knock. Like, I don't know why the fog is a vampire. That yeah, they play by vampiric rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he goes to his room. She answers the door, gets super killed, and he will need therapy forever. So, <laughs> yeah, because he sees Blake's boy Chad hacking through his door, and then a literal stranger comes to a window, <laughs> punches through it, and says, Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> they get there just in time they pull him through the window which again i don't know how the kid knows that that's that's not the same person also trying to kill him on the other side like that they're not working together but <laughs> how do you know that tom isn't blake yeah he doesn't yeah so they pull him out of the house they get to the car but then the car is stuck in mud so they furiously try to get it to turn over as all of the hookers advance on the car sea workers page sea workers sea workers the sea workers advance on the car and Jamie Lee Curtis finally turns it over. They drive away and back at the processional party, I noticed that there was only 15 minutes left in this movie and yeah. we seem to have just started the stuff. Like the things that are going to happen in this movie seem yeah. to be like... That's I also noticed that. I was like, okay, I guess this is not a movie. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so at the processional, they convince the woman who lost her husband and her assistant to go home. That basically like, hey, we'll take care of the rest of the party. Go yeah, home. your husband's dead. Take the night off. Yeah, take the night off. So <laughs> she and her assistant head home. The DJ is calling the fog shots from the lighthouse and she's like i have to stay here and i'm like you fully don't though no one's asking for this and also no one can hear her because the power's <laughs> out and no one's got radios close to them except for tom and the lady in the car oh yeah yeah which is honestly i think that's the only reason she stays is because that broadcast stops the older lady and her assistant from driving into the fog you mean for the storyline of it yes. yes but if you think about it she is choosing the life of two people over her son yeah mother mm -hmm. of the year <laughs> literally <laughs> as as the truck and as the old lady's car driving in and around town they just start to see fog like materialize in front of them and this is where we get the dj calling out the fog's commute route where it's like yeah you're gonna take the five to the 110 <laughs> to the 10 west to overland to olympic uh so the old lady and her assistant drive away from it also and then the radio dj is like if you can get out of town get to the old church and i was like the one they built with blood money like why are we going there <laughs> i would have been like if you could get out of town keep driving yeah thank you if you could get inland drive to arizona like go for it <laughs> it's okay she she wasn't on her best night she was feeling foggy <laughs> <laughs> 
The last time she felt a little foggy, Mikey, she got pregnant. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying it's Blake's baby. We never find the father of her son, and Blake wasn't there to kill the son. He was there to get his parental rights. It was his first mate son, <laughs> Jace. Oh, that is a bro name. Anyway, the old lady and her assistant get there at the same time as Tom Atkins, and they all run inside. And at this point, I was like, okay, so like, fuck everybody that's at that party then. Like, they're all dead. Uh, But no, apparently the fog does not give a shit about the party celebrating the people that murdered it. No. They get inside the church. And the priest is basically just like, we're all going to die. And he's just kind of staring off into the middle distance drunk. So they retreat to the study. He accidentally leaves the book behind. So Tom Atkins has to go out and fetch it. Um, But they go down into the study and watch the fog kind of through the windows. The DJ sees it approaching the lighthouse. So she climbs out into the like handrail on the outside. Yeah, because that's the first thing you would do. Go go closer to the fog. The first thing (laughs) she does is bar the door downstairs, but it busts through that pretty easily yeah so that's when she runs upstairs and then goes out into the fog right 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 so the priest basically tells them about the curse and the journal and how it all kind of plays together and they're counting out how many people have died so they know that there's only one more to go yeah well and the father's like it's gonna be me yeah and he says one of the last passages in the book is that were it possible to raise the dead i'd pay them back their portion yeah basically mean like meaning like i i'm sorry here's all your gold back so like the curse of the black pearl pirates of the caribbean movie that is what it is yeah 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 so as they're talking about it the pirates start to break through the window meanwhile back at the lighthouse she failed to bar the door, so she runs upstairs. She runs out onto that railing closer to the fog uh, and then starts to climb up onto the roof of the lighthouse. Yeah. And then back at the church, they're breaking, like, all the stained glass. So much stained glass. I'm pretty sure a few of those shots are just the same stained glass reversed. I have notes on that. Oh, no shit, really? Uh... They find a giant gold cross on the walls of the church, telltale heart style, yeah. implying that this is what all of the gold that they got from the pirates was put into. It was melted into this cross. Nice Poe reference, by the way. Thank you. So the priest carries the gold cross, which would weigh so much you could not carry that like it does look like he's struggling with it but he is not strong enough to carry that no he's also three sheets to the wind they carry the cross out into the main room of the church and the pirates are there standing in the aisles blake is at the front with glowing red eyes and he basically is like hey i have your gold and so as they're kind of facing off with the pirates she's on the roof of the lighthouse they followed her up there. The priest offers the gold and admits to them stealing it, admits that they killed, and then basically says, I'm the sixth conspirator. Take me. Yeah. Meanwhile, up on the roof of the lighthouse, the DJ gets like a hook to the shoulder. Yeah, this actually was pretty cool because it's a misdirect again. Like she is afraid of them climbing up that ladder. Right. And then so she stands up at the very, very top so she can be as far away from that ladder as possible. And then one orbs up behind her. Yes. And that person stabs her in the shoulder with a hook. Yep. You know, because he's a hooker. Because he's a hooker. Yeah. Yeah. So she manages to get a hook away from one of them and starts trying to like, hook the hookers 
like beat him at their own game. (laughs) And she stabs at one of them and we get a brief close up revealing that he's covered in algae and maggots, which is just like. It's like a corpse that's been in the water for a long, long time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we cut back to the church where Blake grabs the cross and it glows and they have to pull Father Malone off of it. And I guess it like cooks the ghosts? Question mark? Yeah, he gets ghost shocked. Yeah, I I don't know. But the fog and all the hookers disappear. Yeah. So the church is now empty. Well, and it looks like it's going to kill the father. But Tom comes up behind him, Patrick Swayze ghost style, and pulls him off of the gold cross, yeah. right? And then that's when the pirates and gold cross sort of evaporate. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and the, the, you see the fog retreat out of town. Yeah, right. And and again, everyone at the celebration of the people who like murdered them is fine. If they all had just stayed at the party, they would have been fine, apparently. <laughs> but then we cut back to everyone's kind of gone home. They're doing their own thing, but the fog still comes after the priest, and he gets straight up beheaded. And, and that's, that's the, movie. the movie. Yeah. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, let's get some final thoughts. What do you guys think? Uh, it, <sighs> it is a movie. I thought, like Paige, it was a movie. It <laughs> was not scary to me, and it was not silly or gory or any of the reasons I would like like a movie. And so I did not like it. Fair enough. It does seem like a long TV movie. Yeah, so to me it feels like a live-action Scooby-Doo movie where the people who are, like, the main characters in Scooby-Doo don't exist in this reality. Right. Like, honestly, it feels like a AMC-funded and, like, produced movie in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just does not feel like a Carpenter classic, right? Right. But, I mean, that being said, I didn't hate this movie. No, I had a fun time watching it. Yeah, I had a fun time watching it, and it's not super scary. So, like, I am, especially after last week, I'm glad that that's what happened this week. Let's do some fun facts, though, Paige. You said you had a lot of them. I do. So, originally, John Carpenter wanted this movie to be a PG-rated movie. It feels that way. Yeah, but he ends up with an R rating instead, even though there's, like, nothing in it. Yeah, that's surprising. It is surprising. It's shot in 30 days in widescreen, which was uncommon for the time, but he shot it in wide. Okay. Um, And after a rough cut of this movie, seemed to be too short for a theatrical release... Because it was about 80 minutes. Yeah. They had to add more scenes to pad it out to closer to 90. Oh, gosh. And one of the scenes that they added is the prologue with the elderly captain telling the ghost stories to the children. That makes sense. So that opening monologue, which is supposed to go over five minutes from 11.55 to 12 midnight, is in fact only two minutes and 25 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> when Father Malone first discovers the journal, he glances at the title page and then flips to an open page of text that's partially blocked and it's seen for only just a split second but the visible portion reads something something kind of blocked off my college education to work writing dumb shit and fucking movie props (laughs) it's time to bring in the world's guide to the big tits tattoos and shaved beavers i know how horny blocked off would go block some of that (laughs) the (laughs) journal's last page that he reads when he finds it in the wall says april 30 to midnight till one belonged to the dead instead of the 20th which the movie kind of plays with the 20 but they've kind of blocked it so that it looks like it says 30 yeah and it's a reference to valpurgis not uh valpurgis night which is a pagan feast that happens the night between april 30th and may 1st um okay so the same 
time frame in which the also the same time frame in which Anton LaVey started his Church of Satan. Oh, so, interesting. Actress Adrian Barbeau and director John Carpenter were married at the time that this movie was made and released. So she's the DJ. Really? Uh, okay. So he wrote the role for her specifically, and they were divorced shortly after. Yeah, he must have been real mad when he wrote it. Uh, No, but, but I, apparently she was mad after it came out. <laughs> well, she's also in Escape from New York, which is the next year after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they got divorced either during production of Escape from New York or very, very soon after. Yeah, it was probably very, very soon after she met Kurt Russell. She was like, wait, there are men out here like this? <laughs> Humans look like that? What am I doing? <laughs> Hang on. Although I say that never having seen John Carpenter, so he might be a very handsome man. I have no idea. You actually did see John Carpenter, and I'll get to it in a bit. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So, all right. Then I stand by my statement. He's no Kurt Russell because I wouldn't know <laughs> if I saw him. Uh, this, the lighthouse they use in this movie is the Point Reyes Lighthouse in Marin County, California, very close to where I grew up. Interesting. And there are 300 steps leading down to the lighthouse. It's so many steps, man. Yep. Which is why I'm sure she only walked them once. Going out there and then coming back. And then the rest of the lighthouse scenes are on a soundstage. Yeah, I think so. So there's a quote that can be heard on one of the cassettes in the lighthouse where she works. And the quote is like an albatross around the neck. And it's just before that piece of wood explodes with fire. And that quote, an albatross around the neck, actually belongs to The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, uh, a poem by Samuel Taylor Coleridge and published in 1798 so like an old pirate sea shanty basically interesting tom atkins character's name is nick castle which is the name of the original actor who played michael myers aka the shape in john carpenter's classic Halloween. really two years previous yeah wow okay now there was a novelization of this movie which means somebody wrote a novel based on the film and then released it (laughs) Uh, a man named dennis etchison wrote a paperback version of it and he'd done the same for halloween so he had worked with carpenter before but in doing it it makes a lot more sense because in the novelized version it takes kind of the jumbled plot of the movie and in the novel version it's implied that the six people who must die are descendants of the original ah, six oh, whose okay. nefarious deeds cursed the town. So the three men on the boat were descendants, which we do kind of hear from one of their wives who is like, we need to redo the cemetery. Our descendants are buried here. We've been here a hundred years. So those three were descendants. Okay. The caretaker was a descendant. The weatherman was a descendant, and then the priest would have been the final one, which makes makes a lot more sense. I would sure. Say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis made the fog as a favor. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So after the success of Halloween, she actually didn't get a lot of roles. She expected to be booked booked in a lot of stuff, but the only post Halloween jobs she got were like cameos on The Love Boat and Buck Rogers, and she was getting kind of bummed out. And she talked to John Carpenter about it, and he was pretty sympathetic to her. And so he wrote the role in The Fog just for her. But by the time they actually made it, she had already been cast in Prom Night and Terror Train, while the fog was still in post-production and the three movies got released back to back, which basically wow. led to, yeah. So she went from like no roles to being dubbed cinema's new scream queen. So this is the first one she started, but by the time 
they finish it, it gets released at the same time as a bunch of stuff. Which brings me to somebody else that appeared in this movie. Because that church janitor who talks to the priest in the beginning of the movie yeah. is John Carpenter. Really? Oh. And he was so upset by his wow. own performance that he never cast himself again. Oh, wow. Okay. Which, by the way, I don't think he's that bad. I think, I that, think he was he's fine in that role. Yeah. But anyway. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? About yeah. 34 minutes into the film, while they're walking through the church looking for the priest, they wanted to set it up so that he would walk out of a dark corner, uh, but they couldn't find a corner dark enough. So they filmed it and then darkened the film after the fact to make it look like he appears more surprising. Yeah. Which brings me to something else that they did. Uh, when you notice that it seemed like the same windows were breaking over and over again, yeah. it goes further than that because every ghost arm seen in the movie belongs to one guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was also the editor and production designer. He had also done Halloween, so they'd worked together for a while. Yeah. And he actually played body parts of the shape as well in some of the Halloween shots where they needed to get a certain angle. Um, and in the fog, every single ghost attacking a window is his arm. And in some cases, it, it is the same windows. That makes sense. It looks that way. Now, I kind of buried the lead on this one. I didn't talk about it in the movie. Did either of you know who the older woman is who's planning the processional whose husband dies? No. So she's played by actress Janet Lee. Oh. She's famous for Psycho. Most notably. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. But she is also... She's Jamie Lee Curtis' yeah, mom. Yeah, I was like, she's also Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Oh, no shit! Yes. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason they cast her was to try to boost the movie street cred, but she also... They, they basically... Everyone on set was like, well, she's a pro. Like, she's way better than this movie. Yeah. They did 14 takes of that scene where she finds out that her husband died, and they said that she cried for real every single time, and, like, convincingly and amazingly. That's amazing. Oh, boy. And she would they would use her to, like, get local restaurant owners to, like, stay open late to let them shoot stuff, where they'd be like, no, you can't shoot here, and they'd be like, hey, Janet... Can you go over there? And she would like walk in and be like, are you sure we can't shoot here? And they're like, anything for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So the company, one of the production companies that worked on this movie, spent three times as much as the budget of the movie to advertise this movie. Yeah. Including TV ads, radio ads, print ads. And they installed fog machines, which at the time cost almost 400 bucks each Jeez. in the lobbies of almost every cinema where the movie was showing. Oh, man. That's so hilarious. It ends up costing three times what the movie itself costs to make. And those are our fun facts. Well, think of it the fun facts. Let's do box office. So what do you guys think? And I guess it's really just for Mikey since Paige, you already three know. Three million dollars. You think it's three million dollars. I will let yeah. you know that this movie cost $1.1 million to make. Gotcha. But if you factor in the fog machines, it's $4 million. <laughs> Right, so that's what I was going to say. So if you factor in all that, it's $4 million. I don't have the weekend breakdowns because it was in the 80s and we just don't have that information anymore. But what do you think it made in its domestic release in 1980? Yeah, I think this actually probably went well, did well. So I think 16 or 20 maybe. Mikey, what do you think? 16. All right. It actually made $21.4 million, okay. which is pretty good, especially for back then and on a, let's just say, $4 million budget yeah. when you factor in fog machines. Yeah. Another fun box office-y type fact, you can now get fog machines on Amazon for $40. <laughs> 
So, so they're much cheaper to install. I'm about to make our sex life wild. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, why does Jake smell like pancake syrup? <laughs> but that's your box office. I just have him dress up like Prince and just like put the fog machines in the hallway so he can just yeah. come through like shirt unbuttoned. I like it. This all sounds like amazing. <laughs> Uh, so the scary scale, we'll do scary scale. Scary scale, scale 1 to 10, how scary you found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige, how scary were you? One. Todd? I'm going to give it a two, but only because of that one misdirect <laughs> jump scare. I feel okay. bad yeah, giving yeah. it a two, because it's really not that scary, but I did jump a little bit. Okay, I, I also will give it a one. Yeah. All right, so that's your scary scale. So this week, you guys made me watch The Fog. What are you guys making me watch next week? I'm pretty excited about this. Next week, you're going to be watching Ringu, the original Japanese version of The Ring, uh, with a special guest. Do you want to say who it is? Um, We can. I, well, we said who Blaine was, so we should. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, also from Good Morning From Hell, Chris Damaris will be joining us for Ringu, and it's going to be very, very fun. So we've cool. done Ring. So I feel like I have a general understanding of what this movie is going to be about, but from what I understand, Ringu is a lot more scary. Than the ring. Yes. Uh, so, in my opinion, personally. Is it Taylor Two Sisters scary? Um, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I'm going to say it's ring scary and then a little bit further okay. than that. And the part of the reason that Chris picked it was because when I was on Good Morning from Hell, I played the girl from the ring. That was the character oh, on, nice. on, on, the one, on the episode that I did alone. I was the girl from the ring. That's so, awesome. Uh, it'll be a bundle of laughs. It'll be super fun. I'm very excited to do it. Well, fantastic. So your homework next week is to get sake drunk and watch Ringu. Ringu. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'm looking forward to that. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. While you're looking at that review, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast, and that is simply to leave us a five-star text review. Mikey, who's you going to read today? <laughs> Here's one that looks... I haven't read this. I'm just going to read it live. All right. Awesome. Good. Who's it from? Okay. Uh, it's from... S. Smith FP. Nice. What does S. Smith FP say? Title of review, Virginal Terror. <laughs> okay. Is it a five-star review? <laughs> yeah. Okay. During the Great Quar. Oh, no. I have listened. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I came here because of romancing the podcast. Oh, nice. I like horror movies, but some can be too much for me. Yeah. This is that. a nice way to ease into the ones I've been too scared to watch, didn't enjoy playing, watching, and getting fresh perspective. Oh. I'm playing catch up currently on episode 65. Oh, you got a lot to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how the dynamics change based on the movie host collaborators and context of which uh, a context of when they watch the movie versus my perceptions when I watch. Right. I find myself relating to different host collaborators on different episodes, which I which is very fun. Generally, great humor throughout. Five uh -huh. stars. Thank you so much, S. Smith FP, for that awesome five-star review. We really appreciate it. And guys, if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley. 
on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin, where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff, like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes, where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things, like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. Or his OnlyFans, which really should just be called Only Feet <laughs> because that's what you get. But guys... <laughs> It's just because I don't know how to work my camera phone. (laughs) He doesn't know how to hit the (laughs) front-facing camera button, so it's always just a picture of his feet. Anyway, guys, if you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horrorvirgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. We're closing in on 1,600 members. It's amazing. You guys are awesome. And literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. This episode brought to you by Nick Nick B. Nick B, fun fact. Oh, yeah? He was really into AM radio. Um, oh, it was yeah? All about, nice. yeah it was, he had a channel about 15 years ago, but it was all about Pokemon. <laughs> he was an early adopter to the Pokemon franchise. No, he, po- Pokemon's been out for like 20 years. That's, that's actually Yeah, you true. said 15 I, years ago. That would be five years yeah. in, and he liked it so much he started an AM radio station. I mean, yeah. I, for a hot second, I was like 15 years ago, and then I was like, no, Paige, Pokemon is that old, <laughs> and you're older. Because you were too old for it when it came out. Same. Well, Nick B, maybe you should get back into AM broadcasting. I bet you were great. This episode also brought to you by... Ori! And Ori is super helpful. There was uh, some crazy stuff going on in uh, Nashville. And she literally went out to our lighthouse here in Nashville. And she started telling people where they should avoid downtown. Because, of course, she could see... (laughs) All of downtown from the lighthouse in Nashville. So she was like, avoid 6th Street, but watch out on Commerce because they're coming down Commerce. So it was very, it was very much like that. Nice. So Ori, thank you so much for directing traffic in our lighthouse, which we don't have a lighthouse. We're a fucking landlocked state. I was going to say. Um... (laughs) This episode's also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom, and Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you guys some awesome possum facts, so here's one for you. They're consistently, unlike Mikey, self-grooming. Oh. Thanks to their whole acting and smelling like a corpse routine, possums aren't known as the most sanitary animals in nature, but they take cleanliness seriously. The Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife writes that possums, like household cats, use their tongue and paws to groom themselves frequently and thoroughly. Possums largely lack sweat glands, and this behavior is believed to help them cool down. It also has the added effect of rendering them odorless. Interesting. So it's not that they stink or they smell good. They just have no smell. Hmm. So there's your awesome possum fact for the day. This episode's also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business, which is actually called Bug Cage Company. And if you have some spider, scorpion, centipede, millipede, or other apede need, reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook and have them literally ship you insects and bugs. 
if you so desire. This episode's also brought to you by Jeff, and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast on the Netflix series on Jessica Jones. The podcast is called Kissing Jessica Jones. So guys, check it out. Each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones TV show. We now return you to another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. All right, Route 66. Yeah. What, are we going to Sonic Drive-In? Are we getting a big gold? What are we doing here? <laughs> no, we're headed towards California. Oh, that's right. The big Golden State Cali. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, I don't know if this has been on a podcast, but Paige hates when you call it Cali. She like does. It. it has been on a podcast. Oh. <laughs> I can't remember if it was this one or Romancing the Pod, but it has been I don't been remember on. either. Yeah. So I, uh, um, Isaac is driving the car, Okay, and he's like, man, I kind of regret causing a zombie apocalypse in America. But I'm hungry. You guys want to stop at a diner? And eat a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave's like, don't eat me, please. And <laughs> it's like the don't tase me, bro, but it's don't eat me, bro. <laughs> don't eat me, bro. Uh, and Karun is like, what is a diner? And they're like, oh, we have to do it. So they, they found one that's still open. Nice. Uh, like, like a greasy spoon diner? Yeah. Like the Hermitage downtown that like, you should never go to, but everyone should go to? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I love that place. I used to live across the street from it. I've never shit more in my life. <laughs> so, so they sit down and, and they're like Karoon diners are great uh, Evil Matthew orders a big breakfast and But he's like Dave if you don't order um, The seafood here We're going to murder you And so wow. Dave <laughs> That's a pretty large like threat For no reason <laughs> So Dave has to eat like the salmon At the diner And anyway You know the salmon diner that's in the middle of the US <laughs> yeah, They're not in California yet I know They're just like He's like I don't want to do this This is going to hurt really bad So anyway <laughs> He eats it And he dies slowly at the table oh, As man. Karun tries waffles For the first time And loves them and <laughs> I do love that they are just enjoying their breakfast and Dave is like dying slowly in the booth. Karun enjoys waffles for the first time. The waiter comes by and is like, Can I get you guys some uh, more waffles, maybe some coffee, a body bag? What do you guys need? Coffee. No, don't worry. He he comes back to life all the time. Don't worry about it. Right. But then when Dave is passed out regenerating dead, uh, they pay the tab with his wallet. <laughs> That's a real dick move. They kill him and then make him pay. <laughs> uh, over on the other side of the country, headed towards Niagara Falls, um, they're driving down a dark road because apparently it's night now. And uh, Tr Tristam has somehow merged with the car to make his own big RV, robotic RV, where he he is the RV and they're riding inside of him. <laughs> And then he's like oh, a gross. transformer. Anyway, uh, anyway, Kate is still in her coma. Macy pops out and knocks the oh, no! RV sideways. Yes. And Eddie Eddie pops out. And they're like, we got to guard Kate. And Tristan's like, give me a couple seconds. I can, I can get us upright and moving again. And um, Eddie was talking to the evil Koala Commandos. We talked about them before. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Amy, uh, with her knowledge of being an astronaut, built a flamethrower and lights Macy on fire. <laughs> Oh, wow. She uh, burns your dog? But yeah, but Macy throws drool in the air and, and, let, and gets herself out and then bites the flamethrower and throws it and it starts a forest fire that will rage for weeks and kill millions. But <laughs> how are there still millions of people alive? Millions of zombies. Okay. <laughs> so it's a good thing? Question mark. So uh, yeah, what you're saying is your dog is a 
hero. Yeah. And I know your dog and she is not. So Sasha comes out and she tries. Um, She like Caesar Malone's and, and then the dog gets really scared and sits and they have like a standoff. And then during that time, all the koalas climb up on Maisie, who's big as Clifford, the big red dog. And right. They start stabbing her over and over again. But she just shakes them off like fleas and eats one. So then uh, the RV is upright. It drives into Macy. Knocks her back into a tree that's on fire, and there's just smoke, and we think she's dead. Maybe until next week, we don't know. And then everybody gets in the <laughs> RV and heads towards Niagara Falls, and and Kate opens her eyes right at the last second, and the end. Well, thank you, Mikey. Did Dave die of Salmonella? Does anyone, <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else feel like the Patreonicals have become like a call for help for Mikey with his dog? <laughs> and did anyone else notice that Mikey just straight up forgot that our hero group with, was actually on a boat last week and not an RV? Find out next week that. on another episode of... Uh, the, the Patreonicals. I, I did forget that. I know. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. Yeah, I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin side, guys. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Pirate nerds. I was going to say statutory nerds. Voice <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> nerds. Because of fog. Yeah, because yeah, foggy nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.